What's up, everything? The Blues had two games this week, and they could not have been more different. We'll discuss them both. We'll also touch on other news and notes around the league and speculate wildly about whatever issues cross our minds. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Friday, October 12th. I I almost got it wrong, but Mm. I didn't. We are coming to you from our cramped and frightening studio in the dark closet in Mike Yo's mind where Ken Hitchcock repeatedly yells, make the kids earn it on an infinite loop. It's scary in here. He's haunted. Uh, (laughs) We are here to talk about... Two games and other stuff. Would you like to start with other stuff? <laughs> Let's start with other stuff. First of all, how are you doing tonight, Ian I'm, Peters? <laughs> I'm on the mend. Uh, He's been very ill, folks. Yeah, I think the doctor, I couldn't quite make out what the doctor said through his hazmat suit, <laughs> but I believe he told me I have something called Ebola. <laughs> It's actually a rare form where Ebola and tuberculosis have fused into one disease. Mm -hmm. One virus that is just ravaging your system. (laughs) You said, just sleep it off. (laughs) And I said, sure. (laughs) I said, that'll be easy enough for me. Um, And I have braved his illness to bring you all this podcast tonight. You'll be sick next week. One of these weeks, neither of us will be sick. And that will be in April. (laughs) Uh Shall we start with the news about Austin Watson, the Predators forward, and I mean that strictly in the NHL sense, (laughs) and in no other way? Yeah, let's start with the downer. Okay, so Austin Watson, as we've discussed in the past, had been suspended for 27 games for domestic violence, and it was announced a few days ago, earlier this week, that his... um, suspension have been reduced to 18 games by the independent arbitrator. So for those of you who don't know, and this is the same process that Tom Wilson could go through, will go through, um, the initial ruling is made by the, well, in this case, it wouldn't be the Department of Player Safety. I guess maybe it's just the commissioner Mm -hmm. on this one. But the initial ruling is made, and then in the event of a player safety, there's a there's an appeal to Gary Bettman, which I think is basically a waste of time. <laughs> I don't know when he's ever going to go against his DPS on that. And then um, they get to appeal to an outside arbitrator who's not paid by the NHL. Um, so uh, Watson and his team took his case to arbitrator uh, Shyam Das. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but... I gave it a shot, and uh, (laughs) he got it reduced to nine games, to 18 games, which is actually less 
than Tom Wilson's suspension. Here's mm-hmm. the statement from the NHL. Uh, we, have redu- re- we have reviewed arbitrator Shyam Das's opinion in the NHLPA's appeal of Austin Watson's suspension for domestic assault, which reduced the league-imposed suspension of 27 games to 18 games. We are disappointed with the arbitrator's decision. We firmly believe that the right of appeal to an arbitrator of league discipline was never intended to substitute the arbitrator's judgment for that of the commissioner, particularly on matters of important league policy and the articulation of acceptable standards of conduct conduct for individuals involved in the National Hockey League. The NHL remains committed to continuing to do what we believe is right. Uh, And in this regard, we intend to continue our steadfast efforts to ensure everyone in our league is adequately educated and sensitized to the importance of the serious social issue. We will not hesitate to adhere to and enforce, through firm discipline as necessary, the standards of personal conduct we feel are appropriate for our league. So pretty strong words from the NHL there. Mm-hmm. Obviously not thrilled by this decision. Um, and then the Predators had not strong words to say. <laughs> they said, Our organization was not involved in the appeal of Austin Watson's 27-game suspension, but we are aware of its reduction to 18 games. Good for them. Uh, as previously <laughs> stated, our focus has and will continue to be the health and well-being of Austin and his family. So, how do you feel about this whole thing? I'll just, I'll just mm. let you start. <laughs> Um, I think it should have just been upheld. It should have been 27 games. I think it should have been more to start, but you know, 27 games is what he got, and 27 games is what he should have kept getting. I don't know. I don't know what the NHLPA even says to try and get an appeal. It's probably just like that. We're looking out for our, our players, and we don't want them to suffer any. I'm assuming he's not getting paid during this time, so you know suffer any sort of like loss in income and yada yada but they'll never speak to like the social aspect of it because then they're the bad guy i mean you're siding with the bad guy then they're saying well we don't really think it's that big a deal i mean whether or not they say that that's kind of what it comes off as and i'm not the biggest fan of when someone be like well that's you know that's not what we're saying we're just doing this i'm like what you're doing your actions are speaking louder than your words here yeah I just just think you sit, you live with it. Twenty seven game suspension is for hitting his wife, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't I, seem that extreme. That's what I mean. Live with that because yeah. that's really not anything more than a yeah. slap on a wrist, I'm, and you can't live with that. I don't know. It's ridiculous. We've talked about you know in the past how we just don't see any reason for any tolerance on this issue, and I know there are studies and suggestions that maybe. Taking away income isn't the best thing for these situations, and I'm I'm not trying to mock that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. there's probably some wisdom in that, but these cases need to be punished severe. I first of all, I don't understand why this can happen and people don't end up in jail. <laughs> but mm. I understand pressing charges and all that is involved, and you know, I don't I don't know the Watsons' personal life. I don't really know the details of the event that intimately, but it was obviously serious enough in the first place for the NHL to give him a 27-game suspension. We argued at the time that that wasn't enough, you mm-hmm. know, and then for it to re- be reduced to 18, it's just not a good message. Mm-hmm. The sports is consistently failing to suggest to these people that they're 
not above the law, you know, and they're not allowed or that they aren't allowed to mm-hmm. do these things. And it's just frustrating, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a weird, it's not a weird, but it's a tense situation. Always. There's always a lot of different sides to the story and everything, but you would just like to see the NHL really crack down. And I, I get that the reduction isn't their fault. And, and yeah. in a tweet we sent earlier, I kind of suggested that it was, and that was my own fault. But, you know, it's not their fault that it got reduced, but maybe they weren't sending a strong enough message in the first place. You know, if they'd mm-hmm. given him 35 games in the first place, then a nine-game reduction would have been to 26. Or, yes, I'm bad at math, but <laughs> I did do that right. You know, so I don't know. I don't know enough about the details of the case to really go too long on it, but it is disappointing to me. And I really, you know, I there I see both sides of the argument. And what Tom Wilson did was heinous, I think, even within a hockey world. And the fact that he's a repeat offender makes it even worse. But in the real life context, what Austin Watson did is so much worse. Mm -hmm. Because Tom Wilson, you know, it, it really hurt Oscar Sundquist, and that's terrible. But even though it was a dirty hockey play, it was a hockey play. It was in the heat of the moment and the on the ice, you know, and... And while I don't think it's an excuse for any of that, you know, all the arguments about, well, they did sign up for it, they know what they're getting into, all that stuff, is somewhat true. You know, in this case, it's not true at all, obviously, that um, the victim in the Austin Watson case expected this Mm. or had any reason to um, believe it was happening. So they're night and day in real life comparison and so for the the fact that currently as it stands unless Wilson's suspension get, gets reduced uh his suspension is now more severe than this I don't know it just doesn't sit yeah, well with me numbers don't add up yeah for sure do you have anything more you want to say about that no okay there's not really a ton of news around the league right now I don't feel like I think we're kind of getting into the grind yeah, a little slowly. I think a lot of teams are feeling each other out here. This early league schedule, we'll talk about it probably a little later, but it's been so weird. We started yeah. last Thursday, so ten, eight days ago now. We've played three games. A lot of teams have played five games. And a number of teams have only played two still. And mm-hmm. it's like, I, I would think the NHL would want to start with a bunch of games. You know, like really pack it in tightly in the first couple of months and then people give people a little bit of a break around, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever, maybe. And, you know, just not even for the sake of the teams, but for the health of the sport, like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're back. Like let's have games. People can watch all the time when they're really yeah, hungry exactly, for ho- yeah. hockey. And the fact that, you know, between our two games this week, the NHL averaged like three games a night or four games a night. I don't know. It's just strange. And then uh, nobody plays tonight. This Friday yeah, night. Yeah, nobody no at all playing. plays on the second Friday of the season. It's like it's it's really weird. And then they pack all the games in at the end. At least historically for the Blues, mm, they do. Yeah, and it's cool because it's a playoff run. But it's such a bummer in terms of like injuries. And I'm also just kind of ready for the playoffs. Well, yeah, and, everything. and you've got the playoff hall coming too. So it's not doesn't make sense from the team's perspective. I don't know. It feels like they plug the parameters into a computer and don't second guess the results <laughs> at all. Like I get 
to schedule 31 teams in an 82-game season, you start with a computer program, but then you should probably examine the <laughs> results a little bit, and it feels like they don't really. Um, so shall we just jump into games, I yeah. guess? I guess we can jump into games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should note the only real blues news at the moment is that Jaden Schwartz is day-to-day with a, a lower body injury. It's an ankle foot uh, injury took a puck off the foot. Was it Pareko or Tarasenko? Tarasenko. Um, and I think he, he played the rest of, of yeah. That was in the first game. period, so he played through the whole thing. And so Mike yes says it's not serious. It's probably just swelling and bruised or whatever, and he'll probably be back. And I don't know if he'll be back for the Ducks game or not. Uh, in the meantime, Sammy Blay is going to move up to his spot in the lineup, which could be interesting. Shannon Blay and. Kyrie, yeah. if they keep Kyrie up there. I um, think Blay played a little with Schwartz and Shen in the preseason, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, And then uh, Chris Thorburn wah, wah, will be <laughs> uh, taking Blay's spot on the fourth line, which is unfortunate mostly for Robert Thomas. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't hate Chris Thorburn, but he really doesn't belong on that line particularly um so yeah let's jump into uh blackhawks five blues four in the enterprise center in overtime this was a long time ago (laughs) due to that layoff we talked about so some of the details will feel a little foggier um initially so, yeah, right off the hop, I even took a note at the time. So look <laughs> at that. Schwartz took the slap shot off the foot and hobbled off, but he returned and played. Or no, this is a different injury because that happened in the most recent game. So scratch that, folks. Let's start again. <laughs> uh, there's a goal 14 minutes into the first period. Colton Pareko scores on a slap shot on the power play, which is like the most magical words in a sentence that you can say about mm-hmm. blues hockey. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly um, battled with Duncan Seabrook, Duncan Seabrook, <laughs> Brent Seabrook in the corner. Uh, he Maroon kind of picked the puck out of there and found Pareko crashing from the point. Um, and Pareko got uh, a, a clapper of a shot that beat Ward uh, unsurprisingly, because Ward sucks. Um, <laughs> one thing that I'm always curious about is like when there's a battle over the puck and somebody else comes in and like takes the puck, mm-hmm. I never understand how they determine whether the guy who's battling gets an assist or not because there's a very similar play in in the Flames game that we'll talk about where two of our, where I think Schwartz and somebody are battling Mm -hmm. in the corner and Shin kind of skates in and collects the puck from there and passes it off and, and they score. But Schwartz doesn't get an assist there and O'Reilly does here. I mean, I'm sure I know technically it's just if they touch the puck, but I would think that'd be really hard to determine in that kind of a small window. I think on the Calgary one, they were right because I remember looking back at it and Schwartz pretty much stick lifts the defenseman for Calgary, Mm. Anderson, and just kind of, I think, sees Shen coming and doesn't even touch it, just leaves it and Shen grabs it from him. Nice. That's their good, they're a good pair. Those two good Saskatchewan boys. Um, Pat Maroon talked about this goal. He said, Colton was calling for it, and we just got a nice pass and a really good shot. Obviously, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when you get the power play on the board. We want to be at the top of the league on the power play. 
I'd settle for high middle. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we got some really good looks last game, and we finally got the chance to capitalize. I would seriously be very content with 13. (laughs) I was like, that'd be stellar. Power plays look good, though, thus far, I think. It's not quite what I see on other teams they're cycling a lot where mm-hmm. the team the players are moving a lot but we do seem to be like collapsing a lot better we don't yeah. seem to have the two guys the blue line just trying just to barely hold it in against blue line. Yeah. four guys that are trying to defend yeah for sure it does look better and I think some of that is just how freaking good Brian O'Reilly is mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about it later but man he is good I saw a tweet I don't know when this happened it was I think it was during this game sometime where somebody was like, well, Ryan O'Reilly looks like crap. I was just like, "I you cannot ever tweet about hockey yeah. <laughs> again. I don't understand. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, speak of the devil, assisted on a goal um, three-ish minutes later, two and a half minutes later. Um, this was after Cam Ward had given... Uh, Tarasenko, the old rusty cross check mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the game, earlier in the period. Maroon, uh, Seabrook had the puck in the corner, and Maroon just sort of totally railroaded him. And this is another instance where he doesn't get an assist for <laughs> crushing uh, Seabrook. O'Reilly um, gloves a puck that kind of flies out of the corner. Uh, and and he passes through two defensemen to Tarasenko, who shot off a wraparound and grabs his own rebound and knocked it in. It was a very nice power. Was that on the power play? It was not, but it was a very nice goal um, for them. Uh, there's a couple quotes on this one. O'Reilly or Maroon says, I wasn't here when Bacchus and Seabrook had those battles. I'm just trying to get out there and play my game, be physical on any chance I have an opportunity to hit someone, especially one of their good players. I'm going to take that opportunity. I had an opportunity to lay a lick on one of their best defensemen and turned it into a turnover. You don't lay licks on people. You're not Brad Marchand. Don't say that. <laughs> Uh, Ryan O'Reilly said, oh yeah, I think the building felt it. There's not a D-man in the league that likes getting hit by him. Big body puts pressure on them. We get the puck back and we get a goal off it. Uh, if he's not creating a goal, he's still physical, creating space like he did on Tarasenko's first goal. And, uh, Vladdy, or no, Maroon says, O'Reilly made a great play retrieving that puck and a great play to Vladdy when you have... Vladdy, that close to the net, he's going to collapse on those opportunities. It was just a good all-around play, and it was. And we were sitting pretty two to nothing, and it seemed like the stink of that embarrassing loss to Winnipeg was behind us. And then, and a minute later, <laughs> Jonathan Taves scored his second goal of the season. He's off to a very hot start, by mm-hmm. the way. He already has like five goals. Because um, I think he got, did he get a hat trick against Toronto? He got a hat trick against us. I mean, in this game. Did he? But, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. You're right. He, but he got like two more goals against Toronto or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was assisted by Gustafson and Debrinkat. Um, somebody dumped to Debrinkat, who dumped to Gustafson as they entered the zone. Gustafson took a big shot that did a weird bounce off the inboard, and Taves is just there to knock in the re- rebound uh, that Allen does not expect. So, not really on Allen here. Um, but it was on Petro, mm-hmm. <laughs> Petrangelo, who did not look good in this game in the slightest, uh, mm-hmm. did not hold off Taves well at all here, I oh. don't think. I also noted that, like, Bozak could have, like, at least gotten a piece of the Gustafson shot. He pretty uh-huh. much almost moved out of the way. 
I mean, maybe it's to try and give Alan a better look at it when he thinks it's a shot, but like it was like, ooh, you could have stuck your stick out or done anything to at least get a chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not a great look for us. So we entered the intermission two to one, um, but shortly after the second period started, did you have something you wanted to say? Okay. Good. Stay silent. <laughs> uh, ninety minutes into ninety seconds into the second period, Kane scored. Uh Dunn and Bowmeister uh both failed to clear the puck on this one. You mm-hmm. saw that, you observed that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was like forty three seconds of continuous offensive zone time before the goal was scored. And about halfway through, Bowmeister had a chance and whiffed. And then it immediately came to Dunn, who lobbed it like 10 feet in front of him into like Nick Schmaltz. Like the softest lob. Like it wasn't <laughs> the right when I saw him ha- have the puck done, I thought you got to do the TJ Oshie where he has stereotypical thing is flip it really high. Mm-hmm. He does it in Washington. He did it here all the time to clear it. Like would almost hit like the scoreboard just high in the air. Yeah. And he just lobbed it like two feet off the ground. Like he was trying to do like a, you know, a sand wedge shot or whatever. And I was like, oh no. And so, yeah, that was kind of the end of that one for them. Yeah. And Kane took it ultimately and took a big circle around the zone and finally fired a snipe shot. Bowmeister also wasn't boxing out an attacker and they were screening Allen really badly. Mm-hmm. And it, our defense looked terrible this game and the first game i mean we we ragged on alan pretty hard last episode but the defense was bad and we probably didn't give them enough true crap then uh but they looked really bad in this one marcus kruger scored a goal which should be evidence enough that your defense sucks. <laughs> uh this is about halfway through the second kane and schmaltz assisted um someone it might have been steen i couldn't quite tell fell in the offensive yeah. zone allowing the hawks to escape was it steen yeah okay. blew a tire. uh kane skated in and fired low but alan saved and couldn't control the rebound and kruger uh collected it and buried it alan one of his weaknesses, generally, I think, is rebound control, mm-hmm. um, and that's not something just I'm observing. I know I've heard, you know, critics and actual goaltenders and people say that, so I'm not just burying him. But that was a, a weakness there. Um, and yeah, they scored. Did you have yeah. anything to add about that? That was goal? another bad Petrangelo look too. Like it's four guys caught up ice just because they're all committing so mm-hmm. hard to the offensive zone. But Petrangelo's like one or one and a half steps behind Kruger. And it's like, man, if you just dig a little harder, I think, you know, I hate to like question people's like work ethic. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's trying his hardest, but you know, just a little bit faster. And I think he gets there to tie him up. Yeah. It shouldn't be hard. It is Marcus Kruger. <laughs> um, Kyrou had a nice opportunity late in the period, but we entered the third down three to two. Uh, but Vladimir Tarasenko roared back. Roared bacon and scored <laughs> no. a power play goal uh, four minutes into the third, assisted once again by Maroon and O'Reilly. Uh, Maroon had a slick 180 backhand pass from the crease to Tarasenko, uh, who was crashing in on Ward's left. Ward was out of position, unsurprisingly, but blocked uh, Vova's shot with his stick. Uh, but there was... Um, 
It went in. I mean, that's the, the, the <laughs> short version is he did not block it. He did keep it out of the back of the net, but not out of the front of it. <laughs> uh, play did continue for a few seconds, but they eventually stopped play and reviewed the goal and called it good. Uh, Maroon was parked in front of the net. He was kind of maintaining control of the crease. He's doing the things that make him a valuable addition to this team in this game. Um, Ryan O'Reilly said he's one of the best net front guys in the game. His reach and his big body, he puts in front of you, and he's one of the toughest guys to take the puck off if he's not scoring he's finding someone and that's dangerous um that's uh, he's really good at building up patrick maroon i don't know maybe (laughs) he hates all his other teammates and just loves patrick maroon but uh yeah i mean he looked great on this goal too vladimir in his typical broken english which do you ever get the feeling that his english is less broken than when he's doing interview like he doesn't want to be doing interviews, and so oh, he's yeah. speaking less fluently than I he think could he be. tries to break it up a little <laughs> to get people to leave him alone. Yeah. Uh, he says, we talk about that play. We talk about it, and he told me, like, go there. Great hockey <laughs> sense, great play. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I love how Jeremy Rutherford just straight transcribes it. Yeah, well, this is what he said. <laughs> um Chris Butler then scored what is certainly his only goal of the season, <laughs> uh, making it one, making it four to three. This was only twenty-two seconds later. Uh, Schwartz made a nice play behind the net. <laughs> um, he backhanded a puck that weirdly trickled at to an eagerly waiting sea butts. <laughs> yeah, sea <laughs> uh, butts. Fired a big slapper that somehow got in and was asked about it later and said, yeah, I took a big shot (laughs) and I scored a goal. (laughs) That's our Chris Butler Mm -hmm. voice, ladies and gentlemen. Was he here? Yeah, I just heard him. Oh, yeah, that was him. That was him speaking right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't even do it live on the podcast. I mean, he can't even speak live on the podcast where he is currently because he's too shy. Thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was a nice moment for Seabutts mm-hmm. uh, because, <laughs> hey, he got a goal in his hometown against the Blackhawks. Ultimately, ensured us a point, mm-hmm. I guess. So good for him. I mean, it was a nice moment. He took a nice shot for his credit. Um, and then he said, mm-hmm, afterwards. <laughs> uh, then... Uh, the right after that, it was interesting to note how they sent out Bozak, Steen, and O'Reilly as the no goals allowed by old men line. <laughs> um, that was a very clear like we're not giving up the um, return goal. Yeah. You know the the weak uh, soft one afterwards goal. Although they ultimately did. <laughs> um, Allen made a big fl- save, um, and fans proclaimed that he looked amazing. Um, and then there was a goal scored <laughs> against him. It wasn't really terrible, but um, Taves scored his second of the game. Yoki Haru and Alex DeBrincat uh, assisting. DeBrincat carried it in, dumped to Yoki Haru, who took a big shot. Taves collected the rebound and buried it in an all but empty net. Again, no rebound control by Allen. I mean, that's not always something he can control if it's a slap shot. There's only so much he can do, but. Mm. Um, really, this was another howler from Petrangelo, who once again just wasn't boxing Taves out at all on Allen's right side. Not a good look for him from this game. Yeah, a pretty crappy game for the captain. I think he looked fine again last night. You yeah. know, the thing with Petrangelo is 
If he has an off night ever, he'll just be fine again the yeah, next night. That's true. That's um, very true. But yeah, it was a it was a bad one overall. Uh, we did have a great power play with extended pressure, but and the puck didn't leave the zone for probably close to two minutes at one point later in the period, but we couldn't get one in, um, and it went to overtime, whereupon Jonathan Taves escaped on a breakaway and um, beat Jake It was just over. That was a bad... I mean, it's three on three. There's going to be breakaways. Yeah. It was Dunn, kind of a bad look for Dunn. Dunn had a shot blocked by Saad, and it got behind him, and mm-hmm. he didn't. I don't even know if he chased Taves down or not. Oh, I don't think he was <laughs> really. catching him at all. Yeah, I mean, he certainly was. He was gone, but it was still, it was not a great moment. And as we kind of said on Twitter, you know, it's not Jake Allen's fault. It really is 100% a breakaway goal is only ever you know, 5% at worst, the goalie's fault. But, like, did anyone think he was making that save? Yeah, I was like, And that's well, the question you have to kind of ask yourself about him in general. When, you you know, if you're a big Jake Allen defender, my only response would be, like, think about the moments where you need him to come up big. Do you really trust that he's going <laughs> to, you know? Uh, and, and we had a lot of people respond and say, nope, we were already at the exits <laughs> by the time, you know. I think some of that's flashing back to, like, who the player is and the jersey you see. Yeah, it's just I mean, like, for sure. He's not, at least last year he wasn't, he's not the Jonathan Taves of old, but you see that name and it's just like, oh, I've seen this song and dance before. <laughs> like, we lost. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, to be fair, that's very true. Um, the shots were dead even at 30. Face-offs, we won 56%. Mm-hmm. Um, very good in that category most of the year. Uh, we were two for six on the power play, 33%, not bad. Um, 26 hits to the Blackhawks, 14, 15, 13 blocks to the Blackhawks, 11. We did have four giveaways to the Blackhawks, three. I, I need to look into sometime what technically qualifies as a giveaway. Versus a takeaway. Versus, versus a takeaway yeah. versus whatever, because, like, Giveaway numbers always seem so low, and I guess it's just like errors in baseball where it's like you really made a bad play here to get mm-hmm. them the puck or something. Um, overall thoughts on this game. I have a couple of quotes I will read. Do you want me to do those first and then give your thoughts, or you want to go first? Oh, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, Patrick Maroon again says, uh, I think the first game I wasn't my best, but I thought tonight I brought what I needed to bring. I'm going to do what Patrick Maroon does. <laughs> Uh, I was big and strong down low, holding onto the puck, going to the net, blocking pucks in the net, being physical and being strong on the power play. Obviously some nerves the first game, but you got that out and then you go out and play. And he also said, I just think we've got to continue doing what we're doing. Uh, This is a team thing, obviously. We're all going to say, hey, there's a lot of new faces. He's certainly going to say that because they're all new faces. (laughs) Look in the mirror, Patrick. Uh, But that's over now. We've been together for a month, coming on two months. So we've got to find a way to stay upbeat, stay positive, and good things are going to happen. Too bad we didn't get the two points, but I think this team is going to come around and we're going to be a really good team this year. And Mike Yo said he was really engaged in the game. This is, of course, of Maroon. He's a guy that cares and that's certainly trying to do the right thing shift after shift out there. Even a game like this, obviously it's very disappointing, but there were some guys that we were happy with, and yeah, I was happy with his game. So, Patrick Maroon looked great. I thought Ryan O'Reilly looked great. Mm-hmm. 
Petrangelo did not look great. Vince Dunn didn't look particularly great, which we'll discuss further in a bit. But what were your thoughts on this game overall? It was disappointing because I thought we were better than the Blackhawks. I think we still are. I guess I suppose one loss does not make us worse than them by any means this season. But I thought we could, I didn't think it was going to be a close game necessarily. Maybe because I really didn't think Kane and Taves were going to be able to carry this team like they did. I mean, there were other good players in the Blackhawks that night, but I mean, it was pretty much the Kane and Taves show all over again. Um, but I, despite being disappointed, I was a little happy at the end of it just because we were able to keep up with them. I mean, we scored four goals. We showed offense, which we didn't show in the Jets game at all, only scoring one. Uh, defense still didn't look great, but it was nice to see the offense show up. So it made me feel a little more, I don't know, pleased because I was thinking, well, if we shore up the defense a little bit, then this would be, you know, a 4-1 game or something like that. And we can see that in our future I was really pleased with, like, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, he looked really good in the Jets game, too. Mm -hmm. But I think I watched this one a little more closely after having all this sort of um, emotion of the first game of the season sort of wear off. And he's he's amazing. I mean, we'll talk about him, too, in the Calgary game. But this guy's, like, I told you, like a real hockey player. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of talent on this team, but he's just, like workman talent like that like go 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 there was at least one time where he fended off like three blackhawks players to keep the puck in the zone and like Mm. just had the puck the whole time and he's just he's not the fastest guy but he's kind of like he has like that nail yakupov looking skating speed where he's just Mm kind of choppy and real quick like really quick strides and it's kind of deceptive he he at least looks kind of fast yeah um i don't know it's i think you bring something this team needed a long time ago. I thought about this the other day in the shower. Um, you could say this about any really good team, adding Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. That you needed that detail. <laughs> um, but, like, if this team had Ryan O'Reilly, like, when we were against, like, San Jose and stuff, I I don't know. I think we're in the cup finals. I think we face... Certainly possible, Who yeah. did they face? Penguins? I think we got a good shot against the Penguins. Penguins. I, like, he was su- I think he's such a major piece to this team which is obvious because he's on the first line and we're more than willing to pay him seven million for the next five years but like i'm already willing to say we we need ryan o'reilly yeah at this point and i'm glad we have him. i agree i think he's a lot like a blake wheeler type where it's like blake wheeler isn't the most skilled player on the jets mm-hmm. and he's not the most talented player on the jets and he's not the most physically gifted player on the jets but He's kind of the glue that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he's the captain, which is another step, you know, that O'Reilly isn't. But, I mean, he uh, he, um, yeah, he just plays the game so intelligently. And he's always doing the right thing mm-hmm. out there. And like you said, he works hard, you know. That whole kind of stigma around him in Buffalo, I just haven't seen any of it. I mean, obviously, it's early in the season, and it's a new team. Yeah. It's not going to hangdog it out there. But this guy's really good. I mean, he's really good, and he's he's really talented, and he's not he's not one of the league's most elite players. But he he's, a lot, he's actually a lot like Jonathan Taves, really, in some ways, too, where mm-hmm. it's just like that's the kind of guy you have to have to win a cup. Like... 
Patrick Kane obviously is way more talented in, in a lot of ways than Jonathan Taves, but they could have gotten someone else and won without Patrick Kane. They could not have won without Jonathan Taves, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the point you're making. Yeah, I think it's it's like he's someone that I have full faith in already, like mm-hmm. when he's out on the ice. like yeah. I've saw, I saw him make mistakes or like whiff on pucks and mm-hmm. the puck doesn't get out of the zone. It's not like he's errorless out on the ice, but like I completely trust him to like back up another player, get the puck back. There's been plenty of times you strip the puck. Yesterday, I think, um, I forget who he was out with, and then Cairo was just out on the ice with him. Cairo dumped it in, a Flames player grabbed it back and was about to exit their own zone, and O'Reilly just stripped it back, and they were right back in the zone again. And I was like, good God, this guy's like backs up everybody. He's like where he needs to be. I have full faith in him on the ice. Yeah, and he's playing, I mean, he played, what, 22 minutes against the Flames? And I'm trying to look up how much he played in this game. He played 22 and a half minutes in this game against the Blackhawks, which granted had some overtime in it, but 22 minutes for a forward? That's an insane total. Hmm. I mean, that's a really good total for, like, a defenseman, you know? And I know, so, I was like, Colton Branko would be happy with 22 yeah, minutes. Yeah, a lot of times. And so... Yeah, for him to be out there that much, it shows how much faith Yo already has in him. He's on the power play. He's on the penalty kill. He's doing everything. Uh, was this the game where he took two penalties, or was that the first game? That no, was th- this game, right? Yeah, I think it was against the Hawks. Uh, so, yeah, he happened to take two penalties in this game, which to still play 22 minutes is impressive. But, um, yeah, which, like he only took one penalty all last season. <laughs> so we've met our quota and then some. I think he took one yesterday in the Flames game. Oh, did he really? He needs to rein this it in. This kid is... Rein it lady, in. Lady Bing's already gone, Ryan. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, he just looks really, really good. And I think people aren't going to... It's going to be one of those things, probably, kind of like Steen has been in the past, where it's like people aren't going to appreciate everything he does and then it'll be also like Petrangelo in the past where it'll be like maybe he misses a week or two with an injury mm-hmm. and it's like oh no yeah oh I get it it's like I mean but that's happened for sure we've talked about it in the past with Petrangelo where you're like Petrangelo is great but like this team's defense is really good top to bottom and then Petrangelo goes out for a game and you're like uh-oh. Oh, yeah, we're in shambles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think O'Reilly is that kind of glue guy. Um, mm-hmm. You have more to say about this one, or you want to move on to the more fun game? Let's move on to the more fun game. Okay, the more fun game was <laughs> St. Louis Blues 5, Calgary Flames 3. Sounds like a special ticket night. Yes. Come on down to <laughs> the more fun, fun, game. More fun game night. Get your theme t-shirt with your special ticket. <laughs> Um, the Flames came to St. Louis, lost three goals, three of their goals to five of our goals. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that sounded very Doc Emmerich-like. Oh, very much, <laughs> yes. Close, I, but not quite. I was thinking of my, uh, one of the soccer podcasts I listened to where they always, in a very thick Scouse accent, always say, three of their goals to two of our goals, which is a terrible <laughs> Scouse accent I just did there. But let's move on. James <laughs> Neal, speaking of people who would fit in in Liverpool on the docks in the middle of the night with a shiv, <laughs> James Neal scored his first goal as a flame. Um, this was ugly for, from our perspective. Mm-hmm. This is bad for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there was a simple dump into the into the zone, and Vova blew a tire going over to play it, which gave Sam Bennett 
uh, the space he needed to stick handle around Todd Bortuzzi, Rob, Rob, Robert, Robert, right? Bortuzzo. (laughs) Good God. I even broke on this play. Uh, Who, for his part, was playing about as effectively as a one-legged punter. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Bennett stick handled all the way around Allen, who always bites on the first move that anyone makes on him. And he was just done for the play, which is recovery. That and rebound control. If I'm giving honest, constructive criticism of Jake Allen, he is bad at both of those things. <laughs> if he is down and out on a play, he is down and out for the whole Yeah, play. he is out as big. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bennett got around him, and I, I, instead of taking the shot that he almost certainly could have roofed and scored on, he just dropped it to Neil, who had a wide-open net and easily buried it. Um it was an ugly goal. Yeah. And it was one of those things where at the time you're like, oh, no, here we go again. Because we'd started pretty well and it'd been back and forth and then that happened. And you're like, oh, this is where the landslide starts. <laughs> but immediately the Blues answered with a great goal. Um, Jordan Cairo was, gets his first career point and really was the whole engine on this play. Mm-hmm. Um he carried the puck from his own blue line. He had a really nice give-and-go with Bo Meester along the boards to maneuver around a Flames defender. And then he hit steam for the one-timer that goes in middle over Smith's pad. Not good on Smith's yeah, part at all. he had a bad night. Um, but it was a really nice goal from Kyra. Did you like what you saw on that one? Yeah, it was It was really interesting. He did a little give-and-go with Bo Meester after he recovered the puck to get into the zone. And there was like three Flames players. He at least deked one of them a little bit and then two of them were i guess were just puck watching mm-hmm. i forget who it was maybe it was giordano puck locking. yeah, yeah. <laughs> puck luck. uh giordano almost got a stick on that i think because i think the flames announcers when i watched it again were saying oh did he accidentally like knock it over to steam but it was it was an intentional pass and mm-hmm. yeah steam steam with who has a really good wrister you kind of forget sometimes he kind of surprises you you forget that he had a at least one thirty goal season, and then mm. he's had a couple pretty close to it, and it's like he still he probably doesn't have that in him, but he's still got the ability I to think score. He could get to at least seventeen, eighteen. If yeah, all the I, way to I think he could hit twenty again, yeah. maybe. But um, yeah, but man, that Mike Smith, like, Woof. <laughs> it was just like there's a gaping like four inches between him and the post. Yeah, and I was like, you just have to hug the post, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and it just went in, and I was like, oof, it's not good. Uh... David Perron later scored his first goal of his third stint with the Blues. <laughs> Very different from James Neal's first goal as a Flame. This was his first goal this time as a Blue. <laughs> um, Braden Shen assisted on this. Uh, this was the play I was talking about earlier where Schwartz forechecked really hard on Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the puck got away from him. You said he stick-lifted him, which I'll believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shin just collected up the spill and crashed into the net. Uh, some Flames defensemen dived. I dove. I didn't catch who it was. Uh, and Shin got around him and hit Perron on the weak side, who just has an empty net at this point. Really nice goal. That's mm-hmm. the kind of, like, Ken Hitchcock I know. That's what right I, there. That's why I wrote down. I was like, this is textbook, like, forecheck into offense. Yes. It was like, you forechecked them, you got the puck back, you scored off the rush. It was like, this is how they teach you to play hockey. Exactly. It was nice. And, I mean, Ken Hitchcock would have loved it because it was a good hockey goal. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't. 
you know, there are other goals that he should love <laughs> just as much, but this was a great this, goal. This one didn't have anyone doing any fancy deking no. or trying to, you know, perform or be exciting. This was just meat and potatoes goal. And we'll take it. That's mm-hmm. great. It only would have been more Ken Hitchcock if this had been the only goal scored and we won the game. One, one nothing. nothing. Yes, that's very <laughs> true. That's the difference. Uh, Joel Edmondson also scored his first of the season, but not his first of his career, which we saw in person. That's true. Um, Robert. <laughs> I, I was going to be like, lies. The enthusiasm. That's true. I forgot. Uh, Robert Thomas got his first career point on this one, and I think Rasmus Dahling got his first career point like 30 seconds later, so both Cairo and Thomas are better rookies than Rasmus Dahling, is what you need to take away from <laughs> Book this. Book it. Um, but yeah, Thomas and Bortuzzo assisted on this one. Bortuzzo was not pulling his weight anywhere else in this game, <laughs> so... Uh, he at least got an assist on this. Thomas really skated in wide around the net and dumped it in front to Ivan Barbashev, uh, but it never really touched Barbashev. This was another weird, like, how'd he not get an assist? Yeah. But he didn't really ever collect it. And it trickled through to Edmondson, who had hit a wrister and scored. Um, nice goal, I think. Yeah. And now it's, what, it's 3-1 to one at this point? Yeah. You're excited? I'm excited. I, <laughs> I can't. The phrase know, you're excited has been ruined. Every me. time I say excited, like uh, just in real life around normal people, it's in my head. You're just like, the sponsors are excited. Someone, What'd you say, in? Yeah. Someone's like, you excited about Friday? What about the investors? I didn't say Yeah, anything. Eugene's excited. <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> um, Robert Thomas on that goal, I think we mentioned it last week in Did the Winnipeg. Did go back to good? Did you go back? Oh, God, is that a song? Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. It was my alarm this morning, actually. I don't know why that's the one Amazon chooses to play, but hey, there you go. <laughs> Take it for what it's worth. Um, super fast. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I, I guess because... I've heard people Kyrie, knock Kyrie, his Kyrie. skating a little bit, yeah. but like, I don't know what... Maybe it's just not as clean. Maybe it's yeah, like the O'Reilly say, thing where it's maybe, not as... Maybe as, it's nasty looking, yeah. but I can't skate for shit so like if you put a good <laughs> i'm in no position to yeah if you him. put a good stride together i'm like Ooh, look at that guy yeah exactly for sure uh, i was a nice goal thomas i really hope they move him up in the lineup soon i don't know where exactly but mm. like i don't want him playing eight minutes a night seven minutes a night eight yeah would be lucky um with a, a minute 22 left <laughs> Boy, uh, we didn't we didn't talk about it beforehand. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> but like Vince Dunn got sat for this game, and and we've been plenty loud about it on Twitter, and we'll be loud about it later. But boy, the Jerebek and Bortuzzo line that he started in Dunn's stead was wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jacob Jerebeck, who is a player the Blues traded a, like a conditional 6-4 to get from Edmonton, he played less than eight minutes in this game and still managed to be a minus three in a game where the opposition scored three goals. It was... Wow. Um, <laughs> Didn't Mike you know, say they wanted to put him out there because they just want to see what they have in Yeah, him? well, they know now. Yeah, you, you got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So with a minute 22 left in this period, there was a very strange double pe- penalty where Jerevac, I guess, like tripped a guy or something. Was it him or was it somebody else? No, I It might have been somebody else. I think someone 
someone else tripped somebody. I actually know who it was. This was the I think it was O'Reilly tripped somebody. Okay. And then <laughs> Jerevic like hooked a guy. He hooked Monahan, who was yeah. coming in. And so he got No, I think it was Bortuzzo who did the hooking. Was ultimately. it really? Yeah. Whoever did the hooking uh-huh. part of this play, like I swear saw the ref throw his hand up for the initial penalty. I'm telling you, I'm like fifty percent sure. That they thought, oh, they won't call it. I can do whatever then, because yeah. like there's already a penalty. Because they, that was the hardest hook I've ever seen. <laughs> normally hooking it was, is like it was so bad. Normally hooking is like, oh, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a hook. This, this, this was dude like this him. was like a vaudeville hook, man. <laughs> yeah. He was yanking him off the stage. I was like, holy crap! His jokes were dying, and he was getting him out of there. <laughs> that was. Oh, boy. And so it ended up being a weird scenario where they got a two-minute power play and a penalty shot and didn't score on either of them. The penalty shot, did he just miss it, or did Allen, like, get a piece of it and hit the Uh, bar? I think it hit the bar, and it might have hit the top of Allen's stick. But I didn't, yeah, I couldn't tell if he missed it or not. Um, But, you know, either way, good job from Allen standing his ground. And he didn't they, bite. So. They killed the penalty, but boy, it was just like a, if we hadn't been up, if if that Neil goal had happened and then we hadn't scored three goals, that would have just been like the breaking point for all of It us. already felt kind of As it like was, it. it was like comedic a little bit, but it was like, oh my God. I was like, I was like don't let this be the part You're that undoing. undoes. Yeah, yeah exactly. undoes this whole team right now. We're riding high. Oh, yikes. Um, so we didn't. We survived it. Got to the second period. David Perron scored his second goal of the game. Will he get a third? I don't know. Stay tuned. I don't know. <laughs> Stay tuned to find out after this message from the sponsors, who we don't have, but they are very excited. <laughs> um, he scored his second goal of the game with Shin and Steen assisting. Um Mike Smith, the legendary puck handler, went into his trapezoid because he's like a third defender out there. Mm, if you uh, haven't heard Ian, it. He's, he's the greatest puck handling goaltender in the world. So he skated to his trapezoid and promptly just bungled the hell out of it. Uh, gets past him. Like, I don't know if it hits a notch in the board or whatever, but it just absolutely skates him, for lack of a better term. Shin gets it, and Shin and Perron connect behind the net while Smith is scrambling to get in front, and Perron definitely goes front hand across the red line and back in front of the net and then backhands it into what is still just a yawning cage. (laughs) Um, Not the hardest goal David Perron will score in his career, to say the least, Mm. but that made it 4-1, to and it was on a power play, which is weirder. Like, what are you doing out of your net on a power play when they're like, crashing you. That I guess was... he's trying to get it out because he's another defenseman. I guess, but, but yikes. I'd like to point out that we would rag you and me on how the Blues, when a goalie is just down and <laughs> oh, out, yeah. never score. This time, they I got would, it done. <laughs> I was as about taken aback by this as I was by the hooking call. <laughs> like, honestly, I was like, oh, no way, we did it. <laughs> Because I was already kind of like up, down in my seat, like, oh, but we're not going to. Like, oh, we did. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of our running commentaries is this team does not punish a a goaltender that's just gone from the play. We shoot it right into their foot. Like that Allen goal, at the very first Allen goal, like we would would somehow just bungle that. That crossbar for sure. Oh, boy. But we didn't. We scored. And then... uh, there was a, a play where Tarasenko um, and Stone 
both chased down a puck and Tarasenko drilled Stone into the boards. I'm not sure it wasn't also a trip, but it wasn't (laughs) called, so hey, there you go. And later, at the very end of the period with 1930, uh, with 36 seconds remaining, uh, Perron got his hat trick. Uh, his third goal of the game and of the season and of his third tenure with the Blues <laughs> in the third game of the season. A lot of threes for that David Perron fella. Um, <laughs> that's because a Florida Lee has three points on it. Um, hey. <laughs> Shen, We're all learning today. Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz assisting. Shen skated along the board, passed out to Perron at the point. Yikes, Mike Smith was not having a day here. Uh, Perron took a heavy wrister low that just pinballed into Smith. So it's like he's screened, and it's weird, and it takes a lot of bounces, but it still just goes under his pads. Yeah, it <laughs> like, got deflected to his center of mass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a goal that you should probably save, he does not, and it is to 5-1. Now, the Blues see a 5-1 to one lead, and they think, Great. Room to let our foot off the gas. (laughs) And so in the third period, the Flames did score two goals. The first was Derek Ryan. Uh, He was fighting in front of the net, and the puck was never really under control. Zizarnik um, (laughs) was along the board uh, and hit Ryan for one-timer into a mostly open net. This wasn't really one that Allen could be blamed for. And then 11-04 back when... Got this really weird goal where the puck ping-ponged from the point to the net and Petro ended up kicking it in. Yeah. So it was technically an own goal, but unlike soccer where you just wear that, which I love, oh, in yeah. hockey they just give it to the last person that touched it. So I think Backlund was trying to get it to like Bennett, and yeah. that's who Petrangelo had tied up. Yeah. And- so this time he tied someone, yeah. at least. So he's getting He's better. working on it. <laughs> uh, but it ended 5-3. It was never really in too much jeopardy, I no. don't think. That second... Both of the goals were weird enough that I don't think they offered a lot of momentum for the Flames. No, and it was just kind of too late. And I think Yo took a timeout right after that third goal. Was red in the face, screaming at the Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that probably got to him a little bit. On that second goal, though, by the Flames, at the very end, if you, like, pause... And look at like the aftermath of right after it goes in. You get to see where everyone's standing. It's like Yerbeck and Bortuzzo both on top of Kachuk, and it's like that's that's one of you is not covering your man. <laughs> like you're both in Matthew Kachuk's face, who has six assists on the season at this point. Very impressive. Good job, little Walt. Uh, no, Rob Thomas is little Walt now because he's living at his house. <laughs> that's true. We can call Brady smallest Walt. Bob <laughs> Thomas can be matchbox Walt. Can we start that, folks? Robert Thomas is little Walt. Yes, there we go. That's I'm fine with just it. Just it from now on. Okay. It's done. Um, Write that on your uh, your key card for this, for this podcast <laughs> so you know what we're talking about. You know, your key card that you have for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, shots were 34 to 32 Flames in this one. The Flames also won the face-off battle. 54% Ryan O'Reilly dropping the ball. Remember what I said? Not a all, good player. All of it's false. Um, the Flames were 0 for 4 on the power play, and the Blues were 2 for 6. Really good penalty kill so far this year. Oh, was this a game too? We killed a 5 on 3. Yes, we did, I believe. So, very nice. Uh, we out hit them, they out blocked us, and there were two giveaways apiece. 
Uh, we talked about the league scheduling a little bit. We can save the Vince Dunn discussion um, for uh, when we talk about Mike Yo in a minute. But boy, did Jarabek and Bortuzzo look so bad. Yeah, I don't want to see Jarabek ever again. Yeah, He's I Chris mean, Butler to me. I'd rather have Chris Butler play. Yeah, right honestly, <laughs> why didn't we have Chris Butler playing? I, I don't Is know, because we had to see thing? what we needed with uh, Jarabek, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, he's done. He's bounced between, like, three teams last yeah, year or something. I don't know why this was the guy. I mean, if he's the only defender you can trade for in the whole league, fine. But, like, you can't get, like, a Luke Shin or somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Braden, what's your brother up to? <laughs> Braden, do you want to trade for your brother? No, I hate that guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Edmondson is healthy again, and you could... Tell the difference. Mm -hmm. Much like Joel Edmondson normally is, you don't really see him. I mean, he did score in this game, but you don't really notice he's there. But you do notice the defense sucks a lot less. (laughs) So that's good. Um, Ryan O'Reilly played 22 minutes in this one. Barbashev had a minute and 21 seconds on the penalty kill, which I thought was good to see him investing a little bit in a youngster. Uh, But with that said... Uh, Jordan Cairo had seven minutes, Robert Thomas eight, and Sammy Blay most of ten. So Blay really had a, a pretty healthy night for, you know, what a mostly fourth liner. He's played up some, and he's expected to take Schwartz's spot for the most part if he's out a game or two here. Um, and then Yerebeck only had 7.52 of ice time, but still managed to be a minus three. <laughs> Uh, thoughts on this game? Anything come to mind? Uh, this game, they put Perron with Schwartz and Shen, and I thought they looked, obviously, easy to see, very good. I think Perron has the tenacity they kind of want that goes along with that line. Yeah. I liked Kyra up there, but maybe they maybe they tossed him in a little too high up the lineup, a little prematurely. I mean, I think he looked really good with Steen and Bozak, too. I think maybe that helps because... They're kind of veteran guys, and they can they can feed off of his youth, like youth vampires or something, mm. like the vulture from Spider Man. Did you know that's what he does? He feeds off of people's youth. They didn't put that in the movie, <laughs> anyways. Um, but yeah, I thought he, he has cancer. They didn't. Yeah. Did they put that in the movie? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's right. Marvel movies sugarcoating <laughs> their own product. The wings gave him the cancer, folks. <laughs> now you know. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought Kyra looked good, too. He got that really nice assist. I thought the kids looked good in their limited time, but I think with more time, they would look even better. <laughs> better. Um, again, top line I thought looked really good. Defense looked better overall, other than our bottom pairing not looking so great. But yeah, Edmondson, almost sort of like a... I think we miss Edmondson more than we would miss... Pareko, maybe. Maybe that's a little too early to say, but I think Edmondson's a much think, more calming presence yeah, back there. I think that's fair for sure. Um I thought Allen had a really solid game. I thought he good, yeah. Other than the one flop in the beginning, I thought in that five on three, he looked really good. Mm-hmm. I maybe it's because it's five on three and it's in his head that he's like, I cannot be down and out. And I don't know what it is, but he stayed square to the shooter and up on his feet a lot more than I've seen him in a long time. And I thought the whole unit, I think they put out Petrangelo and O'Reilly and Steen, and I forget who else. Bortuzzo at one point, which seemed kind of odd. Um, but And they all they all looked really he's good. He's a good penalty killer, yeah, honestly. He doesn't do anything else particularly well. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's a tall guy. He's a big body, long stick. Yeah, for he sure. takes up more space. For sure. Here's a fun little question for you. We've had three games so far. Which one do you think we had the highest Corsi 4 percentage in? 
Oh, hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to say a Jets game because we actually had the puck a lot. It was. It was 54.44%. And in this game, we had the lowest of the season really? at 45.45%. Really? Uh, with the Blackhawks game right in the middle at 48.65%. Yeah, so a little a little strange That's there. a weird eye test because I swear I didn't think the Flames had the puck all that much. I they didn't they did towards the end. Maybe I wasn't Maybe paying was attention. Maybe it was just the last period. Yeah, now, the third we period. Zoned out, but... Um, definitely a little strange for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a good game. It was the nice kind of game you need, um, to bounce back. It's nice mm-hmm. to see the, the offense put up a lot of goals in the last two games. I mean, I don't think we're remembering quite how little we scored last year. <laughs> and so to have them put up five, 10 in two games is promising. And I, I think they have... You know, they're not going to score five every night, but I think they have enough added firepower to consistently get three mm. or, you know, three, somewhere between two and four, but usually around that three. And that's where you need to be to, like, be consistently yeah. winning. I think it speaks to confidence for the fans, too, or even just the team that they can score that much because when you're letting in a lot of goals... I think you feel more confident that you can shut that down. You can yeah. improve upon that. When you're not scoring a lot of goals, at least from a, from my perspective, it seems like, man, I don't know where we're going to manufacture these oh, goals yeah. from. So, that, yeah, That was what was so terrible about last year, especially when Allen was in his darkest period um, when he was off bargaining with Dormammu. Um, <laughs> he was, it was not just that he was struggling, but it was that... As soon as he let in a goal, it's like, okay, this game's done because now we've got to get two to win and we won. Oh, yeah. It was like, you want this team to score two goals? <laughs> nope. Yeah, especially when one of them feels like a cheap one, you know, a giveaway. And so if you let in three or four, it was just like, okay, this yeah. one's over. You know? So I feel like I have early confidence that if we get in these high scoring games, we could still win. Like, yeah. It's kind of like the Blackhawks game. It stinks that we lost 5 4 in OT, but we were up there. You know, we're a poster of, you know, a nice shot away from winning the game. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this back to back on Saturday and Sunday. Is it? Yep. Are we in Chicago and then back home against the Ducks? I yeah. think that's how it is. You're excited to see Chad Johnson? Is that what you're excited yes. about? Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Chad, Chad's <laughs> excited. Chad's super excited. Um, Sponsors could take it or leave it. They're <laughs> just fine leaving it. No, I mean, I think this is a good opportunity for us to kind of totally wash the ugly taste out of the mouth from the first two games. And, you know, if you take, even if you get three points or whatever, you know, mm. if you just play queen hockey, score a bunch, Allen looks solid, defense looks solid, sponsors look <laughs> solid. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to just kind of wipe the slate queen. Okay, now we're on, now we're mm-hmm. rolling, you know. And that weird week break in there was just, it was just strange. It was just strange timings to get yeah. five days off. That does that kind of stink. The season. Um, Don't worry, folks. We get four days off at the end of this month. There we go. You're welcome. Hooray. Halloween hockey, not for you. Mm-mm. Um, but all Saints Day hockey for everybody. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Mike Yo, shall we? Um, I think there's, you know, it's, it's quiet now because we won, but I think there's growing discontent in the fan base with Mike Yo. And I think a lot of it this week had to do with his decision to bench Vince Dunn after what admittedly was not a great game Mm -hmm. against Chicago. Um, 
but it was not primarily he wasn't the worst defender Alex Petrangelo was arguably the worst defender yeah and Jay Bomeister's out there as well do you you have Mike Yo quotes right a you have, few okay yeah. gotcha yeah. There's just one. You, you probably have one I want to talk about. Oh, I'll let from you this get week? to it. Yeah. Um, you may look, you want to look it up because I may not have the one you have, want. But, um, okay. yeah, I mean, I just, he had that quote. Yeah, I know the quote you're talking about, and I didn't think to write it down, so you should look it up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's, this is not new. The thing, the thing that worries me about Mike Yo is the problems that you would list about him right now are the exact same problems he was kicked out of Minnesota for. You know, you, you I read an article earlier this week that was like five reasons Mike Yo was fired from the Minnesota Wild, and it was from whatever that was, 2015 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was an over-reliance on veterans, an unwillingness to play young players, bad power play, which hasn't been a problem so far this year, but it's certainly been a trend throughout yeah, his career. Yeah, in the back of the head. Um, and I forget the other two, and you know maybe they were things he'd improved on, but especially that the veteran young kid thing really worries me this season, because I don't want Kyrou and Thomas up here if they're not going to be playing. Yeah, you know, and but I don't want either of them in the CHL again. I mean, I guess Kyrou can be in the AHL, but like I certainly don't want. Thomas back with Hamilton at this point, which he's still what? I mean, I guess he's got six more games until yeah. that decision is made. I don't expect them to go that route, but I'm curious what Doug Armstrong thinks about um, Mike Yo at this point. What was your thought? Let's just start with this. What was your thought? What were your thoughts on the benching of uh, the scratching of Vince Dunn? I was sort of in the middle on it just because... It seemed... You were a little lily-livered about it. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, sit on the fence. Um, I was all right with it just because it seemed like he had a rough game. And he's a younger guy, so I think Mike Yo's mentality, and I'm sure a lot of um, NHL coaches' mentality as well, I need, to, I need to bench somebody. I have to bench a defenseman or something, maybe as a message, but also as a message made specifically for a player and we'll make it Vince Dunn because he's young and we don't quote unquote need him, you know, at this point. We can see what we have in Yearback, which is dumb. I mean, I don't think that's what they really need to do. They were just plugging in a guy, plug in a guy. But I think the thought is we can't bench Alex Petrangelo, which mm-hmm. I got, but like we can't bench uh Jay Bowmeister, he's a veteran and we may we may need him, but we don't need the young guy quite yet and we can we can get away with this basically yeah my problem with that and i think you're i mean everything you said is factually right but whenever he sends a message he benches a guy and sends a message the message is always being sent to a young player Mm -hmm. there was that one time last season where he benched patrick bergwin and it was long overdue (laughs) at that point but he benched patrick bergwin and that was a big deal for him but it it you know for the most part, it's always the young players. And look, Vince Dunn isn't above the law. I'm not saying, you know, you have to handle him with kid gloves. If he sucks, you can bench him. But the whole defense sucked that game. And that's what concerns me about it. It's like his first thought is like, I'm going to bench Vince, bench Vince Dunn. Mm-hmm. And part of it was the extended week that made this look so bad. But it, it was decided on Sunday 
And it was just through yeah. the week, we just knew it was coming, and then it finally happened. So there was no, like, oh, maybe in practice he'll change my mind. Maybe he'll work his ass off and, like, really prove to me that he wants his spot, and I'll let him in. It was like it was decided, and it was set in stone pretty much from the hop on, on Saturday night or Sunday night. Um, I'll say Sunday night so I don't get a panic at the disco song stuck in my head, although it's already there. As <laughs> As and it has been over. from time immemorial. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it just really worries me. This With this team in particular, you've got so much, so many good young players, and you can't afford to have them not play. And we've got a lot of, I mean, the good news is we've got a lot of good old players too, good veteran players, so it's not like you're really like, we're benching these guys to play crappy veterans. Yeah, you know, that's true. You're not bench. You're not sitting Thomas Moore to play Sabotkum or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's a trend that really bothers me a lot because I, there's somebody called Mike Yo. I can't remember if it was might have been Men or Family Arena. It might have been Tommy Hummel. But somebody called him like um, um, Ken Hitchcock 2.0, and I really think he kind of is that. You know, I didn't originally, and I don't. I don't think he's as hated by the players. But he's just kind of a guy. Yeah. He's just kind of there. And I think this that's my ultimate concern with him is like, I really don't see him winning a cup with this team. And if he's not winning a cup with this team, why is he here? You know? Ken Hitchcock didn't win a cup with this team. But I never felt like, you know, I didn't really feel like he couldn't have won a cup with this team. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Mikey is the coach that's leading a team to the cup. This doesn't have, and if he is, yeah. he's going to be that guy that leads him there, and then is still fired a year later. You know, because <laughs> like the people know that it was the team. You know, like when mm-hmm. Pittsburgh fired their coach a year after, yeah, they won the cup. It's like I don't know. He just doesn't have anything that makes me think. Oh yeah, that's the guy. I don't think like the Blues have to win like in spite of him because I don't think they're holding him back. But mm-hmm. I also don't think he's like you said coaching the team to the cup. I yeah. think he's just going to be there if the team is good enough to push themselves to the cup. You know, there went, no one, he's not making the team better. The team's just going to have to be good, mm-hmm. and he'll just be there. Yeah, I'm also really interested to see, and you mentioned this earlier, so, or we discussed this earlier this week, one of the coaches who's most on the hot seat, which isn't a correct term at all, but given who it is, but Joel Quinville is a coach who could very believably be fired this year. Mm-hmm. or uh, certainly at the end of it, uh, because the ownership in Chicago doesn't like him especially, and he doesn't, I don't think, especially like ownership, and they don't, they're, I mean, there's a whole weird relationship between owner, ownership and Bowman and Quentinville that was held together while they were winning and has now fallen apart. I wonder if that's the situation, too, where it's like with Mike Babcock, and especially if if St. Louis, if Chicago ownership fires him, there may be extra incentive for Quinville to come here again, you know, if, if he's bitter against them. But I wonder if that's the situation where it's like he's fired. And like that year where Mike Babcock was a free agent and we still had Hitchcock, but we talked to him anyway because, like, you had to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder if it's that thing where maybe he gets fired and Yo's struggling a bit and we're just like, hey, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I do that. going to be the is currently the fourth winningest coach of all time. I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Do you I, think it's like feasible at all or um 
I mean, it's not necessarily likely, but do you think it's feasible? I think there's momentum in the fan base, too, to say, kind of, if it feels like you've always wanted to unwrite or to right that wrong that was done when he was fired in the first mm. place. I don't think I'd be extremely surprised if he got fired, and I don't think I'd be that surprised if the Blues talked to him. Yeah. You know, I would be a little surprised if they fired Yo and brought him in here, just because it seems kind of odd. Yeah, I would I mean, be all for the, it, the but it would seem odd. The only reason I'm saying that is, like, if it's mid-season, mm-hmm. you know, and and Quentinville is like, I'm, I've got an offer from so-and-so, and it's like, or I can come to you, and it's like, you can't, to me, you can't let that opportunity. No, pass. I mean, I'd say you got to take I'm them sorry, then. Mike, but bye. You know, you can mm-hmm. go coach whatever other team he's gotten an offer from. But you like, can go coach the Blackhawks, whatever, yeah, I don't care. Exactly, but, like, that's the only reason, like, I don't know. It's 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 similar to the Mike Babcock situation where it's like, I don't know how you let him be out there free mm. and not try and get him here. And I, and that's one of the things I thought about earlier this week. I was a lot hotter about Yo because the done thing really seemed like a panic move and I was just sick of it. And, and I was like, get him out of here. But in my head, I'm like, who's really out there, you know, that's going to be step in and for sure, be better yeah. than Mike. Yeah. The only person I could think of is Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, that's the one I thought but, of too. And I'm, this is me being a pessimist. He kind of got let go for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah, He's exactly. like, relies on veteran guys, doesn't play kids. And I was like, okay, well, I still think I like you better. And then, you but know, I don't know. You would think Quinville would be of that same mold, but look at the Blackhawks recently. Debrinkat, mm-hmm. Yoki Haru. I mean, the kids come out there and they play right away in big roles. Oh yeah, I'm in the I'm in the camp of if this Blues team fails and falls apart, which I'm sure at some point in the next you know three or four years it does. They should just burn the whole thing down and start from scratch. Tom Stolman can stay here. And all the ex-players can get booted out of their roles in the front <laughs> office. Like, last year, that's how I felt. I was like, this needs to start over completely. Yeah. Because I just want it. I don't want there to be like, wait, was this guy left here? Maybe he's the problem. I just want, drain the swamp, whole new deal. <laughs> just give me the whole new deal. But maybe if you bring in, like, a Quimble. I like how you mixed Trumpian and Roosevelt metaphors in one sentence mm-hmm. right there. That's true political panache, people. Mm-hmm. I knew, <laughs> Very intentional. I knew sure. what I was saying. The sponsors, the sponsors knew what I was saying. <laughs> saying. The sponsors loved it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we walked right down the middle of the political aisle. They're like, perfect. Sponsors love it. This cat's a wet blanket, and we love it. Um, yeah, if you have a coach like Joel Quimble out there, you got to take a shot. And I, yeah. I think that's when you look a guy in the eye and you go, Mike. Do you think you're Joel Quimble? <laughs> Sure, why not? I almost would. Like, how do you politely do you put that? Think, yeah, that's, like, I mean. Mike, it's Joel Quinville. Sorry. It's weird because I, he's won those three cups. And oh, I thought you said Mike Yo. No, like, no, no, sorry. He's not. Sorry, Joel's won those three cups. And to me, I still almost think of him as like an okay coach. I don't know what it is. I think of him as the blues coach still. And we fired him, and then he went away. Mm-hmm. And whenever they show him behind the Blackhawks bench, I'm like, oh, yeah. But I, never, I don't think weird, of him yeah. as winning those cups. Yeah, And I don't strange. think of him as being the, what did you say, fourth winningest fourth coach? Winningest coach I don't time. think of that. Maybe it's because he's grabbing his balls also, and stuff. But like, I'm always <laughs> like, that guy? I'm like, cool. He also has a chance to be the, to coach more games than any coach ever. Do it here. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, I was looking at some articles that could be broken this year, earlier this week, for the hockey writers, and, and he had one. He's like, it's a good number, but it's like five, six more seasons that if he just played coach six full seasons, he'd catch Scotty Bowman or Sam, Scotty Bowman? Scotty Bowman. Mm. And that'd be Sam pretty Bennett. cool, even though he wouldn't be there with the wins, you know, but... I was going to ask you how old he was, but I got Google in front of me. 60 years old. I've looked that up for the article, too. I should have asked. Uh, So it's like young enough, you know, Hitchcock, if he just coached to the age Hitchcock coached to. Man. And he's in better shape than Hitchcock. He used to look young. Who, Quinville? Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, not that he looks, like, terrible now, but, like. Whoa! I mean, that's what he looked like. I'm showing Stephen right now a black and white photo of Joel Quinville that's from the like Civil when War he was era. Our coach, yeah. probably right. No, that's what I mean. So I'm used to seeing him like that. And when I see him old, I'm kind of like, who's that guy? <laughs> I'll say. Okay, so we've gone long enough on the Quinville pipe dream, but I do think that's not <laughs> impossible. And I do think Yo has to correct the youth thing. He has to be able to rely on these guys. He can't pull them out. In the third mm. period all the time. Well, let's think of, I guess, realistic scenario. Kind of trampling over your point here now, but like... <laughs> realistic scenario, you're wrong. Do you think Joel Quinville's available? Um, no. If we make the first round and get bounced in any capacity, swept all the way to losing an OT of Game 7 in Nashville or yeah, whatever... I think he's gone. Do you think Mike Yo's gone? I mean, especially if some of these problems, you know, if the power point mm-hmm. falters, if he doesn't trust kids, yeah, I think he's Look, probably Look, I don't gone. think our team's, like, the best team in the NHL, but I do think it's, like, a top 10 team, and I do it's think... It's a second-round team, for sure. Yeah, I was like, come on, right? Yeah. Although the way the playoffs are set up, it's so fucking weird. Just be, I mean, because we could face Nashville or Winnipeg right away, and while I think we got a good chance against them, I don't, I'm not putting money on the Blues. So, like, you could be a first-round team in that sense because you're just getting bounced by a way better team. So, like, I guess. But I'd, even then, I think he should be gone. We need somebody that's giving this team a little more direction. I don't know. I just like a coach. I kind of like Hitchcock because he had a personality, <laughs> even if it was, like, a sandpaper personality that sometimes I hated, you know? Mm-hmm. Mike Yo, like you mentioned, is kind of there. He's just there, yeah. I'm trying to look at the quote. Um that you were talking about, about Yo. Uh, is it the one where it starts, I'm trying to win the game, we've got to win the game, and we've got to build our team. Mm-hmm. A guy like Blazer ended up earning more uh, ice time and worked his way up to the third line. A guy like Jordan, we got him with Bozak and Steen today. Guys that are playing well are going to play, and guys that maybe don't deserve as much ice time aren't going to get it. We're here to build our team, and we have to make sure we're on top of that. Uh, now, that said, obviously, you have to be mindful of our young players, but I don't think we want to lose hockey games because we've got Vladdy Tarasenko sitting on the bench or Jaden Schwartz sitting on the bench, too. Um, so we've got to walk that line. Is that the one yeah. you want? Okay. So, I mean, he does say but in there, but he says we need to play who's playing well and who's playing well is going to get the ice time. But we don't want – he basically says we don't want to keep the veterans on the bench, mm-hmm. more or less. I get Vladimir Tarasenko and Jaden Schwartz – rarely have, you know, just atrocious games. So, like, they're going to play because they're just relatively consistent. But, I mean, it's a contradiction, is it not? He's saying the best players will play, but we also can't just have, like, the kids guys. Out there. We yeah. yeah, we just can't have kids just out there. 
In the first game, those guys were some of the best players. Yeah, and I, I get it. I understand. It's a, it's his job. They have to win games. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna do what you have to do to win the game. You gotta win. What's the what's the whole quote? You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I get that, but you do ride a weird line where it's more of a, a Doug Armstrong, I think problem because he's the gm and the coach is kind of coaching season to season Mm -hmm. and the gm kind of doesn't think long term where like you do need youth in there you do need to kind of even though doug armstrong said like nhl is not a place to train people to play you got to come in and play and yada yada they have to kind of train in it somewhere they always that's a stupid quote to me too because like you always have to adjust to the nhl yeah no one just walk i mean some people do i mean connor mcdavid is a god though yeah that's what i mean we can name like literally five people maybe elias Pettersson is an amazing young player everyone else has to take time still probably hit a lull at some point Mm -hmm. you know um that's my problem is like you have to walk the line it's both things I get you want to win games, but like last night, it's five one. I I don't know how many times Thomas and Barbashev and Kyra got out there. Obviously, not a lot because they didn't even crack you know nine minutes of ice time. Mm-hmm. Granted, there were six power plays, none of them play on it, which they could. But you still think that'd be the perfect time to put these young guys out? Like, yeah. tell them if if anything, I'm the coach and I go, look, I'm not even asking you to go out there and score a goal. Show me that you can keep it 5-1. Just show me, you in know. A goal, in a game that's 5-1, there's no excuse that those guys aren't playing 10 minutes apiece. At, at very, Yeah, at very least, if you want to flip it on its head and be like, well, how does this um, fit his coaching schema? Well, now you have young guys out there. You're keeping veterans fresh for later in the game when you're going to really lock it down. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I also like that you use the word schema, really classing up the two guys on the podcast. I, <laughs> I try between that. that and laughing at fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford also had a quote. I, you know, I love JR, but this is one I don't really agree with. Jesus, JR. <laughs> he says, regarding playing time for kids, whatever side of the fence you fall on, whether Yo caters to vets and doesn't play youth or whatever, let's keep in mind that all three of them made the team and Thorburn, Yaskin, and others were waived or reassigned. I know True. just a week ago we were patting Dimitri Yaskin on the back and saying, you know, it was kind of a shame that we had to let him go. But in hindsight, the fact that those were dis- decisions we were making, <laughs> like, of course, like, I'm sorry, he didn't, he didn't agonize over the decision of whether we could waive Dimitri Yaskin. You know, that dude is going to be waived again in the NHL. I promise you, or we <laughs> can get him back if we want him. It's just like, I don't, I feel like there's a lot of times where people, like 80% of people are agreed on something in the Blues fan base and somebody has to make an excuse and be like, no, 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 he did this. And it's like, just let it be true. He doesn't play kids enough. It's mm-hmm. it's a problem. We can be honest about the problem. Well, JR is the first guy, too, where when Yo gets booted out, we'll be like, well, you know, he never played the kids. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're like, okay, now we're on this side. Well, because, huh? yeah, and I realize he's got to walk the line and appease them a little bit. But, yeah, it is a little frustrating. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I think to sum all of that up and do one or two thoughts, um, I just, yeah, I just don't think he's long-term the answer here, I guess. And so, kind of with Mike Matheny, I was also early on the side of like, okay, he's. we can argue all day about whether he's adequate or he's decent <laughs> or he's bad. Yeah. Or he's, even if he's good-ish, 
but like he's not good enough. So mm-hmm. why? Yeah, why bother? How long are we going to drag our feet? You know, and so with Yo, I'm kind of to that point as well. Uh, a couple more things, and then we want to talk about one other St. Louis piece of news quickly. Um, Jeremy Rutherford wrote an article in the Athletic talking about Jordan Schmaltz. It'll be it was interesting. Uh, tomorrow night, it sounds like we are going to get our first Schmaltz versus Schmaltz game in like nine opportunities. <laughs> now he's finally going to get to play with brothers, so that's good. Uh, but it's an interesting article about how Schmaltz has enough value to be traded if he's not going to play here, basically. Uh, rather than waived, which I don't really understand. I thought his two-way contract entitled him to being sent down, but I guess it doesn't. Um, But whatever the case, uh, it's a good article. If you have an athletic subscription, you should check it out. I'd have gone deeper into it if we had more time tonight. But the other thing I thought, I was going to read this, especially if we were 0-3 tonight, Um, (laughs) but I'm going to read this excerpt. They they have a great series on The Athletic right now about the worst team I ever covered. And they're asking all these beat writers, like, tell us about oh, the worst okay. season you covered a team. And Jeremy Rutherford gave his two cents, and he says, I'm just going to read this whole article, you know, his whole blurb because <laughs> it's pretty short. Uh, this is a reminder to us. It was meant, when it was 0-3, it was meant to be a reminder of like, yeah. okay, let's pump the brakes. It could be so much Can worse. I guess? But this is kind of a reminder to us of how much we've been yeah. through in the last just over a decade to okay. get to this. So point. it's so it's oh six oh seven. Oh five oh six. Oh five oh six, sorry, yes. Uh so he says, My editor at the St. Louis Post Dispatch asked if I'd be interested in covering the two thousand five, two thousand six blues. Finally my break. He must have seen something in my writing or reporting that made him think I'd be a good fit on a pro beat. It wasn't long before I learned it wasn't any of that. What my editor saw was how bad the blues were going to be, and so did everyone else on the staff, and as a native St. Louis and looking to move up the ranks, I was the only one interested. <laughs> Let me take you back to the NHL hockey scene in St. Louis in 05-06. The league was just coming off a year-long lockout that alienated fans. Al McKinnis was retiring. The Blues were being sold and Chris Pronger and his $9.5 million salary. Yikes! The pre-cap era was crazy! Wow. Uh, were being traded to help facilitate the team's sale. If that didn't soil interest early <laughs> in the year, maybe it was the two victories in the first 15 games. Poor Dallas Drake, as respect a player in the NHL has ever saw, seen, who was named captain in his 14th season in the league, and now he was answering to a rookie reporter every night about why the McKinnisless Prongerless Blues were meaningless. Head coach Mike Kitchen, yikes, who replaced <laughs> the fired Joel Quinville, yes, the same Joel Quinville that would go on to win three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks, could do nothing to change the course of the season. And just when the Blues thought they were at rock bottom, they played the New York Rangers on December 10th. That's the night the Rangers' Martin Ruchinski shot a puck that went off the glass behind the Blues nets, backed, b- bounced back over the crossbar, hit goalie Patrick Lalime in the butt, and went in for a 5-4 victory in overtime. It was the worst goal I had ever seen. But don't take it from me because it was the only the 26th game I'd ever covered. Take it from this ga- guy. Quote, that was the worst goal I've ever seen, quote, quote, said the Rangers' Yaramir Yager, who was in his 15th NHL season at the time. In January, the Blues traded Doug White to Carolina, where he became the 
latest blue to leave a franchise still looking for its first Stanley Cup and win one elsewhere. Meanwhile, the Blues endured a 13-game losing streak, won just one of their last 19 games, finished with the second lowest point total, 57 in team history, and saw their 25-year playoff streak come to an end. The franchise was finally sold to a group led by Dave Checkets, who made a popular choice by hiring John Davidson as president. Things were looking up as the Blues had their number one overall pick in the draft for the first time in their history. They chose Eric Johnson over Jonathan Taves, Nicholas Backstrom, and Phil Kessel, and par for the course, pardon the pun, Johnson (laughs) would be injured in an accident on the golf course and later traded. If that wasn't enough to show that it wasn't the Blues' year, the Cardinals won the 2006 World Series, their 10th championship in team history, further cementing the city as a baseball town. And that was the nightmare that was the 05-06 season. I wish we would have covered that. Yes. Can you imagine? Can, I can't. I, I think we got a taste of, like, the best of that season when we were at our worst last year. It would just be different, though, because you would, well, I guess they people didn't know there would be this bad, 14 right? 14 season, Dallas Drake and Patrick Laleem was I guess you goals. did know it was that bad. That's what I mean. It would just be, it'd just be a comedy podcast, yeah, more I, than it is already, because why bother? Yeah, we would be comedically bad at covering the team. Um but yeah, that was woof. Uh, but so let's talk about one last bit of St. Louis news that we're both very excited mm-hmm. about. And that is that the MLS to St. Louis momentum is back, Choo-choo. baby. Uh, I was so thrilled to see this week uh, that a group run by the Taylors of Enterprise, mm-hmm. the Enterprise family, thank God oh, oh, for geez. old money in St. Yes. Louis. Oh, I know there's problems. I look, I'm not there's wealth disparity and all of that. We could talk about it for ages, but one of the only things that keeps this city going <laughs> is that there are richer than owl grease people <laughs> dotted all over the city that still love this town. For and that's reason. why you have a zoo and an art museum and really any sports teams. <laughs> that's why our city is relevant and all at all, and thank God for them. So the Taylors of Enterprise uh, want to bring an MLS team to St. Louis. It's a lot of similar, I think a lot of it is similar to the bid that would have been passed a year or two ago mm-hmm. with the with the ballot measure in St. Louis City, except it's all funded by them. Uh, the, the stadium would be paid for by a, ta- a use tax at the stadium exclusively, so there's not really any, you know, you go to the game, you'll pay higher concession fees, mm-hmm. and that's how the stadium gets paid for. Um, it would also be, and this is more kind of a cool trivium than anything else, but the the group is, is majority led by women because that's how many, I mean, there are just more women than men in the <laughs> Taylor family, and it would be just the first MLS group of that nature and obviously one of the first in all of sports, which is cool. Um, I don't want to get too excited about it, but there don't seem to be a lot of holes in this. Mm. I know the MLS wants to be there, wants to be here. They haven't been quiet about it at all. I mean, the MLS literally the day after the Rams moved, they had like their draft or something happened to be that next day. And they had an article on their site where they were talking to all these executives and players about like, how great would it be if a team went to St. Louis? So they want to be here now. Um, Man, it'd be a slam dunk. Uh, I think it's. It. I don't know if it's you know going to be the same stadium design, but it's the same plot of land. Yeah, even same on, area. Uh, it's by Union Station, right? Yeah, it's 
It's interesting. I think it's a cool spot. I'm interested to see how they develop it. I believe it's to the west of Union Station, mm-hmm. which right now is like a weird um, exit Overpass, from 40. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess they've just plow all that and put dirt in and put that down. Uh-huh. No more cyborgs, maybe. I don't know. Oh, but Bummer. <laughs> but uh, it'd be really <laughs> a nice. A sacrifice will have to endure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it'd be nice to have it right there. I think being... Um, Union Station being between those two spots, and Union Station pretty soon here getting an aquarium. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be so torn downtown (laughs) in a couple years. I think it would help downtown a lot. I mean, a lot of stuff would help downtown, but this could definitely help. I mean, it's a travesty that they don't. We don't have a soccer team already. We're such a soccer city. I don't know how that happened. I do know how that happened. I learned. It's thanks to the uh, what do we got here? What's our what's our ethnic choice in St. Uh, Louis? Bosnian. Bosnian. I wanted to say Bulgarian. <laughs> I was like, that's not it. Thanks to the Bosnians. Yeah, I'm pretty sure largely. this is a soccer city. Yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, it, but it's also got a lot of soccer history here too, mm. and um, Al Trost too. I was just about to say, shout out to uh, was Coach Trost, one of the greatest American soccer players of all time. So did you like, ever? Did you have a class? With I him? didn't. I did not. I never I'm spoke a to the man. No, I was a little shout sad. out to Coach Trost. <laughs> a little afraid of him. He won't remember us, uh, but did remember <laughs> Pele, who he met. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, this would be awesome if it happened. We're already planning the two guys. What did you say? Nil cups? Nil cups. <laughs> We're going to put That'd on accents. Uh, no, I mean, we've thought of, we'd talked about it. It would obviously be several years in the future from now. But if we had the wherewithal to do it, that'd be really cool at the time. If you know anything about soccer, we'll hold tryouts. No more than he <laughs> for, for a third host. There you go. You got to have an accent. Three guys, no cups. You must have an accent. A European accent, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Boston. <laughs> yeah, I don't want one of those Mark dirty. Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> there's this great. There's a guy uh, on the Bronco on the Bengals whose name is Mark Walton. I listen to the Fantasy Footballers podcast during the week. Um, it's a fantasy football podcast, <laughs> but one time somebody mispronounced Mark Walton's name as Mark Waltonberg, and this host, one of the three hosts, just ran with it. And every time they're talking about him, they do a Mark Wahlberg impression, and it's so stupid, but it's so <laughs> funny. And it always ends with "Say hi to your mother for me." <laughs> <laughs> and so, if you haven't heard that, go find the fantasy footballers. They don't need our help. They're one of the biggest podcasts on earth. But yeah. Soccer and other kind of football in this city, I think it could be happening. I'm very excited. Mm. I want the shirt. We talked about it, but I want the shirt to just be the flag. Oh, yeah. I'd be a perfect soccer jersey. It really would. It'd be, it'd be kind of awesome. Uh, I'm I'm pumped. I want it to happen. Do you have more to say about that? Mm. Just wanted to mention it because we're excited. And in the podcast on a little bit of a positive note this mm. week since last week went so negative. Um, <laughs> I am excited. You're excited. Mm-hmm. Mark Waltenberg is excited. Mark Berwetschke is probably excited. The Taylors are excited. The sponsors are excited. We're excited to talk to you next week <laughs> on Thursday. Do you have anything more to say? I have no more words. Excitement.